0: promotional consideration for growing greater philadelphia provided by citizens bank and the general building contractors association this is the growing greater philadelphia podcast bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the growing greater philadelphia radio program now here's matt
1: cabry Nick Bear, founder and CEO of Saxby's. Welcome to Growing Greater Philadelphia. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here. It's great to have you here. And I really love the story of Saxby's, and I want to hear about that, and I also want to hear about you. Uh, but I want to start off with a question that uh, might sound a little bit odd. Saxby's
0: is more than just a coffee shop. In fact, you don't even have coffee in your name anymore. Tell us about that. My intention for getting in this business and this industry was so much more than just coffee or, you know, caffeinating people or or even feeding people. That's obviously a critical part of what we do. And we spend a lot of time to be great at that. I think that the business is something much larger. You know, I think most people's career decisions, you know, it goes way back in life for me. My parents were really young when they had me, and, and it curtailed their ability to get an education. And to this day, they really feel like that's held them back from doing something that they love and from making the impact that they wanted to be able to make in this world. So they really instilled upon me two critical things that, that have really stayed with me. The first was getting my education. Yeah, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to college, and that was a real game changer for me. And then the second thing they really pushed on me was make a difference in this world. And the way that you're going to do it is by doing something that you wake up every single day passionate about doing. And that really stuck with me. I don't think I really understood that at 10 or 12 and certainly not at 14 when my parents forced, literally forced me to go to a private high school outside of my neighborhood with people that I didn't know, with people that came from very different backgrounds from me, but there was a bigger mission there for them. You know, They knew that that was going to open up different doors. And and creating my own business was was really a byproduct of all of that. Once I went through college and did a bunch of different internships and I worked in a consulting route at school, two things really dawned on me. The first was I needed the competition that business provides. It's a competition for talent. It's a competition to sell product. It's a competition to be able to grow. But I truly want to make a, a difference in this world. I want to be a social entrepreneur. I want to use business for a vehicle for good.
1: And that competitive spirit, you can kind of tell, you can feel it in our conversation. It drives mm-hmm. you. You like that competitive environment that I love the it. business community
0: provides. Yeah, I do. I love it. I mean, I think it's, you know, I don't know if it's something I was literally just born with, but I played sports my whole life, and You know, that's one of the things that's great about sports is that you learn to work in teams and you learn to get knocked down. You know, in college, I was a starting pitcher and I got to pitch a ton, you know, and it was an amazing experience. I got the highs of throwing a nine inning shutout and I got the lows of giving up three home runs back to back to back in a game. And, And, you know, sports teaches you to celebrate that nine inning complete game in a moderate manner and also not get too down about getting rocked you know giving up three home runs in the top of the first inning in a game and and that's worked really well with with me not just in, in realizing that i wanted the competition of business but what it takes to be an entrepreneur as well i want to touch on something you
1: referenced a moment ago which is uh, your parents encouraged maybe even conjoled maybe even forced you to go to a private school uh you know in your neighborhood and what's unique about that is uh your neighborhood is not the greater philadelphia region or at least it wasn't at the time tell us about your background and where you grew up and how you landed here
0: yeah so i actually i grew up in chicago so my parents were chicago natives my mom from the north side a cubs fan my dad a native of the south side a white sox fan we grew up white sox fans for the record um i'm now a phillies fan for the, the greater record Absolutely. um yeah, you know, but we we grew up mostly on the south southwest side, and um, you know I, my parents were, were amazing parents, but it's you know there were a lot of challenges there of being young parents and not having educations. My dad worked as you know started by sweeping floors in a warehouse in the west side of chicago my mom started as a receptionist and you know, they've busted their butts every day since to overcome not being able to get a degree and um you know they made that decision with a, in the encouragement of a, a middle school teacher that i had to get me in a, a maybe a little bit better learning environment so they sent me out of the neighborhood um to go to a private catholic high school which eventually led me to, to getting into and going to Cornell and playing baseball there, which was a real game changer for me. Um, but I, I originally started Saxby's in Atlanta. You know, I, went, mm-hmm. I took a job out of, out of college in Atlanta. I wanted a, a new experience being in a new city. And Atlanta was an amazing place for me to, to be able to go. It was really diverse. It was very open. It's transient. It's easy to meet people. But I started Saxby's in Atlanta. And my first investor of Saxby's was, uh, was based in Philadelphia, which ultimately precipitated to me moving here.
1: So it tells me that, uh, and and I know many of us appreciate this, and it even goes back to your reference to uh, Chicago and, and the relationships that you built in that private Catholic high school. Uh, and you just touched on it again. Um, and it's coming back to this feeling of relationships and how you nurture those relationships throughout your career, throughout your high school years, throughout your life, really. And That importance of people, which I know is a key factor for you, really shaped some of the direction and decisions that you chose to make. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how much of a people person
0: you are and how much you value relationships. Yeah, you know, I I really wish I would have known Back in the day, that the value of people and culture and environment and the sense of belonging, the way that I do today, because um, you know that's a really hard thing to teach in the classroom. You know, I learned a lot of amazing things in the classroom at Cornell, just like students are learning here at CCP and Penn and Temple and Drexel. But it, it's really hard to impress upon a, a young person, certainly eighteen to twenty-two or even younger, the the real importance of the people side of things and. I didn't really realize that until I was even you know, out of consulting and e- really deep into building Saxby's that your competitive advantage as a, as a business person or as an actual business can and should be people. I had to make the mistake when I first started Saxby's to think that our only focus needed to be great product. You competed on great product and if you wanted to have great culture, you would use the profits of selling this great product to then invest in culture. I had it completely backwards. Mm-hmm. I needed to create a great culture that, that was inclusive and attracted talent. And then I truly believe you can sell anything. If you've got an organization that has a, a culture that people want to be a part of and it attracts talent, then you can sell anything. So we literally rebuilt Saxby's five years into its operation. We had had some success, but not the level of success. And we weren't the people company. We weren't the social impact company. We weren't the philanthropy company that I wanted us to be because we didn't have that defined culture. And it was right in front of my face. I think about it when I was a kid, as, a, as an athlete, the teams that did best, it was when the, the guys in the team were most cohesive. They were quick. Like A guy falls down on their team, and there's four guys fighting to get one of his two hands and lift them off the floor. Like That's culture. And, and that was happening for me. But I completely overlooked that when I was first starting Saxby's. And unfortunately, I've, I've realized now the importance of, of culture and talent, and we invest everything in it.
1: Was there a moment that you had that caused that aha experience of we're missing this it feels right we're having some success, but something's just off and and how did you recognize that?
0: Yeah it wasn't it wasn't one specific thing but it was a specific time period. So um, in, in about 2012, my alma mater of Cornell, asked me to come back. They were creating an an entrepreneur in residence program in their hospitality, the Hotel Management School, which is the first of its kind. It's a world-renowned hospitality program. So it teaches the people side of business. You would think that based on my business, the fact that I went to Cornell, I'm a graduate of that program, but no, I have a government economics degree. So it was really nice when the hotel school asked me to come back as an entrepreneur in residence to speak openly and candidly about my successes and more importantly, my failures as an entrepreneur. And as I was going up there, a professor gave me you know, two books. They gave me the book called The New Gold Standard, which is about Ritz-Carlton, their successes, and mm-hmm. Setting the Table, which is written by Danny Meyer, one of the most successful restaurateurs in the world, probably most famous for creating Shake Shack. And the central theme of those books was the same, which was was Ritz Carlton doesn't compete because they have the highest thread count bed sheets and Danny Meyer doesn't compete because he has everyone agrees the best, you know, stake in the world. Right. They compete because they are cultures predicated on how they treat their people and their people in turn treat their guests or their customers. And I read those books and I'm like, that's, that's what I would want someone to write about my business one day. Like, that's what, that's what I dream of every single day. Like, that's what really sort of makes my heart race. And so I turned around at that point, Saxby's had, you know, give or take 10 locations. We were exclusively franchised at the time. And I looked and lo and behold, the top five performers essentially lived by what I read in those books. You walked into those Saxby's, the team members seemed to love where they worked and they made the guests feel welcome and you know comfortable and happy. And I went to my bottom five performing locations and the team members didn't feel like they wanted to work there. Right. They didn't give the same treatment. I said, oh my God, what I read in these books was literally happening in my business. But more importantly, like that's the one skill and talent that I think I have is that I'm a people person. I wanted to build a business that was going to be a culture-driven company where people would want to talk to me about the culture that we created in our business. So it was at that time... And you know, just at that time, a private equity group based here in Philadelphia invested in Saxby's and really challenged me to say, "Nick, this is the time for you to build the business that you want to build." And that's when I knew I had to write our mission statement, write our core values, write out the business plan, really create the strategic plan that was going to grow this business. And it was not about we're going to create the milk and honey cold brew, which I think is the best cold brew product in the market. It was about. What's the level of talent? What do we see in this world? And let's go out and get that talent in this company, train them, empower them, and let them go be entrepreneurial and build this business. So it was really around that time that uh, sort of epiphany sort of set in for me.
1: That makes sense. And, And clearly it's more than just coffee or Danish or whatever product you happen to be selling. It's the feeling that you want people to have and the feeling you want your
0: employees to have is being part of Saxby's. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not like this complicated thing from birth. We always want to feel like we belong somewhere. You know, it's true. life is about experience. And and as we become a more and more technology-driven world, human connection and human experience becomes that much more important. And so I think we're really onto this at the right time. Like, by no means did we create the idea of like culture-driven companies go farther. Sure, But I'm as much as zealot as you can get because I've been on both sides of that coin. I've had a company that didn't have a defined culture and was sort of all over the place. And I think we were in a good enough industry and we did it well enough that we had some success. We are now an unabashedly culture-driven organization that competes on talent in the general coffee industry, and the results are night and day. And not just the financial results. The level of talent that we are able to attract and the level of talent that we're able to retain, it's, it's literally incomparable to what the company once was.
1: And I would take that a step further and say the image and reputation that you've been able to build and evolve over time. And with that, that moment in Atlanta, you have a couple hundred thousand dollars on your personal credit card that you 're using to drive and grow the business, and then you get in contact with an investor who who sees the value who who believes in you and yep. who believes in saxby's and that was a catalyst for deciding um, a major uh, crossroads of of geographic presence and talk with us a little bit about why Greater Philadelphia back in that two thousand five two thousand and six time frame or whatever it happened to be uh, that caused you to say this is where I'm going to make my home. It it could have been financially driven, but my sense is it was a little bit of everything.
0: As you know, Matt, as, as a friend and and hearing me speak that, you know, my genius, which really was a foolish decision was to use my American express card as my original investor in growing Saxby's, hence the nearly $200,000 of credit card debt at the time. But, I knew that there was something special to this business in this industry, and I loved what I was doing. And so, we wrote a business plan, looked to raise capital, and and the first real bite, the bite that I was most interested in, was a um, you know, an angel investor, a relative developer here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my best friends from college had had become one of our first franchisees in Saxby's, and he was based here in Philly. So I came up here, and I was immediately taken by the city. I loved the walkability, I loved the history, I loved the the, the amount of development. But, what I loved probably most was just the the genuineness and authenticity of the people. There were no false pretenses. people right. were just very real and it, it did remind me a little bit of of Chicago as well, where people talk totally. about it being midwestern. so that was really, really important to me. But what I started to realize by the time we I moved here in two thousand and eight was we were having a lot of success serving what we like to call young and young at heart consumers, you know so we were having a lot of success around college campuses and urban environments, and two thousand and eight sort of really started, and as we fast forward 10 years, 2018, we have the fastest growing net positive millennial population growth in this city of any other city in America. The city continues to get younger and more vibrant, and that's been great for me, not just from a consumer perspective, but more importantly... From what we call a team member perspective or the employees in the business like we just have such a fertile ground here so i loved philly for the authenticity and the genuineness of the people the walkability the vibrant core of the city the economy was really really strong and and based on all of these young people pouring into the city it was an easy bet to say this city is going to keep going in, in the upward direction.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, at Select Greater Philadelphia, we represent the 11-county neighborhood is what I call it, southern New Jersey, northern Delaware, southeastern Pennsylvania. Of course, the core of that is the city of Philadelphia, and we feel and see that growth that is is uh, emanating from this region all the way out to the uh, to the surrounding counties as well. And um, I kind of capture that as opportunity. And what I love about that word opportunity, and you just touched on it, is You saw opportunity in establishing operations in greater Philadelphia, and young people around the country and around the world are moving here because they see opportunity to grow their career, to uh, live a great life in a very affordable and convenient space. Uh, And that's why we're seeing the millennial population boom in the city of philadelphia compared to other regions of the of the world and your business plan is is spot on with that as well Mm -hmm. and uh i was hoping you could talk a little bit about um the name you know because you made a conscious effort to change your name not too dramatically but in a significant enough way that causes people to say hmm
0: that's interesting where's that going right you know we we went through what we like to call our brand evolution it it debuted publicly on in april of last year so we're, we're literally one year into it and It feels like we're five years into it, which is is the power of good branding is that people took to it really well. Like it's people received that as like, oh, that's sort of what I've always thought of Saxby's. But, you know, we did that in 2017 in 2016. Quite honestly, Matt, I got in a position where I was looking at our logo and I was looking at our name and mm-hmm. our logo was nearly clip art. You know, it was like wasn't anything that cool or special or unique, certainly not representative of the company that we had become at Taxbees. I had gotten to a position where I was looking at our logo and I had started to dislike it. Mm. I was literally looking at it and I was like, the faded maroon mm. was just dull yeah. and boring. And the logo was just it, it just it looked pedestrian. And I had to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, that's obviously. a sign
1: that you need to make a change.
0: Yeah, right? you have to make a change, you know? And because and it, it, it represented sort of like the old company, the company that was sort of directionless and was without a business plan. We had rebuilt ourselves. We were very sort of vision and culture driven. And so I started to talk to some branding experts, of which we have many in Philadelphia. And I said, look, Nick, I know you as a person or as a business person or I'm a consumer in your cafe. What I think of Saxby's and the experience that I have and what I see you guys do in the community, and the talents that you have is not at all reflected by what your sort of like branding materials are. And so, you know, we went through a long focus group process. We talked to our consumers, we talked to our team members, people that were our demographic consumers, but were choosing to go somewhere else. And it was a really long, iterative six-month process. And ultimately, what came out of it was a lot of things, but one was drop coffee from your name. The business stands for so much more than coffee. you got to get that from the name. And you you have to really sort of pep up the the fonts and the colors. And fortunately, we have so much branding talent in the city, I wanted to make sure that we did that work here, so we hired an organization um, called Heads of State that's based right here in Old City, not from not far from where we're standing right now, and they did a phenomenal job. They actually found a, a Philadelphia-based artist who created the font that's now the Saxby's font. Um, they brought in the, the color scheme that we use, like the fire engine red, the really sort of like matte black and and, and white, and, and sort of the sky blue yellow. And we went to work and and literally overnight, like a lot of little elves just appeared and every single sign, every single cup, every single touch point changed overnight in the brand evolution, you know, one year ago. And my phone still rings from people being like, Nick, I look at your logo and it literally makes me smile. It makes me happy because in and of itself, it's great, but I know what you guys stand for. And I feel like it's such a great representation. So it was a big move for us. It was expensive. It was time consuming and really changing your name, dropping one of the two words in your name is, is a big move. But it was long overdue and i think it was really well done
1: and it sounds like it's uh, produced the results that you were looking for and aspiring to be no uh, doubt yeah no doubt one of the things that really stands out for me is saxby's commitment your commitment to being part of the community and i'm not sure if you put this in this bucket but um share with us your embracing of the college campus and the entrepreneurial experience that students at college campuses can receive through saxby's yeah
0: i mean i think at the highest level I truly believe that as human beings, it feels better to do something for someone else than it does to do something for yourself. So you can go and buy yourself a new pair of shoes and you can look down at your feet and be like, man, these things look awesome. They're going to look and feel less awesome tomorrow and even less so a month from now. If you do something nice and thoughtful for someone today the memory and the feeling of that gets bigger and better over time so i truly believe in one of our six core values is you serve yourself by serving others so i believe that you can build businesses on that and i I think that we're at the right time you know people like to call it double bottom line or triple bottom line or bain private equity likes to call it double impact we're at the time now where capitalism is, is starting to really change i think that the next generation of consumers and talent the millennials the gen z are forcing this change where Business has to be a vehicle for good. You have to put impact, whether that's environmental impact, whether that's social impact, at the crosshairs of financial profitability. Not one financial profitability comes first, and then hopefully you do some good things in the world. They have to be mutually aligned, the whole idea of double impact. And again, that's that's what I set out to do. That's why I wanted to be a business person. I wanted the challenge of business, and I wanted to leverage the, the success of business to make major social impact in this world. So you can't help everybody always. So where was the where was the smartest option for us? It was in higher ed. Mm-hmm. You know, higher ed was a great opportunity for us. One, because our product and our mission of Saxpeace has always really resonated with young people. You know, we design every cafe uniquely. You know, our product menu is very sort of contemporary and new and cutting edge. We change it up a lot. But what I started to see in my time as an entrepreneur in residence at Cornell and adjunct professor at Drexel in the classroom at Wharton and Temple, all these great universities we have here in Philadelphia was we were now teaching entrepreneurship in campuses. Like when I was in school, we didn't teach entrepreneurship in the classroom. Right now we were, but we realized you can only teach so much about entrepreneurship in the classroom. You have to have what the pedagogy of higher ed calls experiential learning, take what you're learning in the classroom and then learn more by actually doing it. Right. But that's where you need people outside of the walls of higher ed to partner with higher ed to do it. And so, we went to you know just a phenomenal leader here at, in, in Philadelphia, who you know very well, President John Fry at, at Drexel, sure. um, who's not just an innovator in the higher ed space, but he's the, the chair of our Chamber of Commerce and, and truly one of the greatest assets I think that this region has. And I went to John in 2014, I said, hey, John, I would really love to be able to leverage the support system that we've created at Saksby's, the culture and talent that we have to give you experiential learning at Drexel. So allow your students to design their own Saksby's but more importantly, run it exclusively for full credit, like literally partner this with what's happening in the classroom. And literally over 45 minute conversation, he goes, let's do it. And right. 10 months later, we opened you know the first of its kind, a cafe that's 1800 square feet, operates with four national competitors around its front door. And the cafe is exclusively designed by students and is exclusively run by you know, anywhere between 35 to 40 students, operates 15 hours a day, seven days a week, 350 days a year, And is phenomenally successful it's young people running their own business and it's you know it's it's a cultural alignment for us and and with john's encouragement what was once a a cool test like can we do something like this has now turned into almost a dozen partnerships in in the last year with really marquee brands like temple and millersville and penn state and lasalle and saint joe's i mean these are really marquee brands that we're partnering with because one, young people want and deserve and are ready for this opportunity. And as John likes to say, we've got to be able to provide return on investment for, for parents. You know, we, we're at a really critical point right now with, with tuition, student debt. We've got to be able to provide real world usable skills for students to be able to learn while they're in school to go out and really compete and do, and do big things when they get out of the classroom.
1: Let's take that to the next level, because you have to be really proud of the fact that the seeds that were planted in that conversation with President Fry at Drexel University in 2014, in less than five years, has grown into a really significant engagement for Saxby's, but equally for the university partners that you have, and even more importantly, for the students who are actually applying those entrepreneurial skills. And where I'm going with this, Nick, is what do you share with an entrepreneur a young student who's going to a Millersville or a Penn State or a Drexel or a Temple. Uh, Based on your experiences as a young
0: person who had a vision to become an entrepreneur, what kind of guidance do you share? I mean, this is, I, to your early point, Matt, I mean, I, it makes me feel so good. I, I pop out of bed every single morning. I tell people, anyone who will listen, that I wish I could learn how to not sleep. Like, I would, I want to do this 24-7, 365, because I feel like we're making a difference. Like I, just, I just came over here, you know, took the, the subway over here from my office, and we have a lot of our student CEOs. So we call them CEOs. So, they're cafe executive officers. So, our student CEOs who run the experiential learning cafes. I'm looking at a, an office they they're going through their disc like their their personality test and they're they're going through with our talent development department. There's like five or six of them sitting in that office. The average age is 20 years old. They employ amongst that small group themselves employ 230 people. Millions of dollars of revenue and I'm watching them sit in there like CEOs. You know, I'm, I'm like I'm nearly tearing up despite the fact that we've been doing this for years now because right. I was so lost when I was their age. I was just trying to work hard in the classroom, be okay in the baseball field, and every day fretting like, what am I going to actually do? Like, what's my career going to be? Because I realize now, it's not about teaching them how to steam milk. That's a a core component of that job. But what the skill set is that they're getting are what we call the three pillars. Team development, community leadership, and financial management. You don't win without talent on your team. And if you don't train them and empower them to be great, you're never going to be able to move to the next step, which is how does your business matter in its community? How do your marketing plans work? How do people feel about your why? Like, why does your business exist? And then lastly, we're measured on our financials. Mm -hmm. Sure. Whether you're a for-profit, a non-profit, a huge company, a small company, a tech company, a coffee company, you're going to be measuring your financials, but your financials will look differently based on your ability to execute on their first two things. So when these young people graduate this program, some of them and many of them will stay with us, Others are gonna go and be way better entrepreneurs than I was when I was coming out of school. They're gonna go and they're gonna climb the ranks and be the youngest VP ever at Comcast. So they're gonna you know, create an amazing new technology company based here in Philadelphia. So as proud of I as I am of what they're doing right now, I can't wait to watch these graduates of this program go out into the real world. They're five to 10 years more advanced than I am at, at their age. They have a life experience, and they've got you know experiential learning sort of notches on their belt that took me a really long time to be able to get. So I, I really can't wait to watch what they're able to do with this next.
1: As you reflect on your career, and it could be pre piece, frankly— is there something that stands out for you that causes you to say, wow, I am really proud of that moment? I mean, you may have just answered it, but there could be other aspects the touch points that you've had that cause you to feel that pride.
0: Yeah, you know, the experiential learning program is certainly one of those, but but another big part of what we do is we like to call ourselves an opportunity and education company. That that's really what we are. So we've got this culture, we have this footprint, we're fortunate to have these amazing financial backers and MVP capital but really what we provide people are education and opportunity it's about lifelong learning just because you went to a good high school you went to a good college if you think you're done learning you're going to get passed by you know you're you're really going to be stuck in the sand we're also an opportunity company you know here in Philadelphia we have a lot of young people a lot of young talent and some of those people aren't fortunate to be born into a good zip code or be born into a good neighborhood school we have a business and we have a culture that can allow those young people to learn that you can actually work for a company that cares about you. Right. And you can actually work in that company. You're gonna to have to learn how to be a barista at Saxby's, but then you can become a team lead one. You become a team lead two. And then your compensation goes up. You can become a CEO. So we have a lot of jobs programs with organizations like Philadelphia Youth Network, Youth Build, Covenant House, where we're hiring young people out of tough circumstances. And we're challenging them. We we treat them the same way. If you grew up in Lower Marion in the western suburbs, or you grew up in North Philadelphia, we're going to treat you and expect the same things because you're capable at the exact same level. So we've got a lot of people in our organization. We have one young man who was homeless a lot in his youth Hmm. and came into our organization when he was about 18 years old. He's been promoted more times than I could possibly count. He's in our CEO development program, and by the time he's 25 years old. He will be a CEO of his own business. Full salary, bonus program, healthcare. And he's got a stable, really stable and really inspiring work environment at Saxby's that he's now the father to his two young sons that his father never was to him. Right. You know, like watching the generational change that's going to happen with that young man and the many other people in our organization, it's hard for me to not list that as the most memorable thing because that has just that's gonna have widespread benefit, just like our experiential learning program will.
1: Absolutely. And I want to come back to that, but I want to shift slightly, Nick, and I want to learn a little bit more about your experiences in greater Philadelphia. You've been here a little over 10 years now with your family. Um, is there a favorite
0: place for you in greater Philadelphia that you just love? You know, it's it's funny. We, um, we've we chosen to live in the city as well. So my, my wife um, is also an entrepreneur. Uh, she created her own yoga uh, Pilates studio here in the city and, and health and wellness business. And it's been, it's, it's really, it's called thrive Pilates and Philly power yoga. And it's, it's done phenomenally well because this is a great place to be an entrepreneur. You know, this, this really is just a, it's a fertile ground to be an entrepreneur because people really try to help each other and they support businesses that, that are good to its people, you know, and, and, give people quality experiences. So we live in the city. My office is close by my son's school is close by my wife's studio is literally at the base of the high rise building we live in. So, Favorite places for me. I mean, we have a, a just an unbelievable, really a second and none food and beverage scene, and totally. I really like the food and beverage scene. Right. Um, and I'm going to a couple places later today for meetings because like there's just a boundless number of, of places to choose from. But I, I think one of the places I, I find myself going to a lot, especially as my son gets a little bit older, is the Franklin Institute. I think that that's one of the most special assets that you just don't get in many other places. You know, it's it's the essentially yeah. the monument to Ben Franklin, but it's one that's got just hundreds of things for young people, old people like to be able to go into. And it's right on the parkway here in the city. There's just so many cutting edge things that are going on there. And, and, and I just recently was, uh, was honored to be asked to join their board as well. But I think that that's just a, such a special place. Uh, you know, It's one o- amongst many, many, many places.
1: Absolutely. And it, it, yeah, Greater Philadelphia is filled with places that make it really special. And certainly, the Franklin Institute is one of those. Um, but I will have to say, Nick, that one of the things that makes Greater Philadelphia really special is you. And Saxby's. And I'm not just saying that because you're standing in front of me, but the stories that you've been sharing with us about the impact that you're having on people's lives is really inspiring. And I know you're proud of it and you should be, but you're actually making me proud. Thank you. uh, To be part of the Saxby's community as well and to be part of the greater Philadelphia community. And the fact that you chose to grow your business right here in our community makes our community all that more special thank so you
0: I, I, I thank you for that well oh, I, I appreciate that very much i mean that's one of the reasons why when you matt email me and say hey will you jump on this radio program i, I quickly say yes because you know, i realize that we have a platform now as as leaders in the city to to attract more talent and more businesses and to really challenge the next generation to do it even better than we did you know, yeah. like we, we're the largest college town in, in America. So we have all these young people that are yearning to be able to go and make a difference or create their own business. I feel like it's my responsibility to share my failures and my shortcomings to give them the opportunity to do it even quicker than I was able to do it, even bigger than I'm able to do it. I feel like that's, that's really my responsibility at this point. Do you have a vision of what's next for Saxby's? So I I think the vision, and I don't mean this to be like grandiose or or egotistical in any way, but I I truly believe that we can become the quintessential double impact company. I mean, I think that we can become a business that is the poster child for putting social impact at the core of your mission and doing it profitably as well. Like, I I really believe that we can do that because as as we talked about at the outset of this, like. I believe in business. I believe in business as a, as a you know a vehicle for good. And I know that we're at our best when competition pops up. It's easy to be like, oh no, another coffee shop or a, a competitor popping up. But we're so conditioned to that now that it just makes us better. It makes us really work more on our talent. It makes us work more on our product. And so business is a great, great motivator to really compete. But that doesn't mean that you have to do that at the expense of making a social impact. Like we're in the business where any and everyone can afford to come into Saxby. Like out of our same cafes, we serve people that are wearing multiple thousand dollar you know suits, and then standing behind them in the line might be someone who sadly slept on the street the night before. Both of those people are are um, handled with dignity and feel a sense of belonging in our cafe. And and we've realized that this can also be the perfect place to not just employ, but to develop talent. Whether you went to one of our great universities or whether you dropped out of high school, like that's a that's a huge opportunity for us. So I really think that Saxby's can become a quintessential double impact company, the kind of company that will be taught about in- you know, business plans and in high schools that can motivate other entrepreneurs. And, and again, I don't mean that to be cocky by any means. Sure. I, I think that's that's the competitor in me that I think that we have the that kind of platform to be able to do that.
1: I know you're going to be successful in delivering on that vision of becoming a double impact company. And here's why. You believe in business, but you also believe in people. You know, the name of this program is called Growing Greater Philadelphia, and Saxby's fits perfectly into that because you are a classic story of the growth that we've seen here. You've been able to grow here, and now you're actually helping other people to grow here as well. And the touch points that you're having with people and the fact that you recognize that people are the secret to success, and it's all about belonging and the relationships that we want to develop with folks is really propelling Saxby's to the next level Uh, And I really admire you for that, Nick. And I thank you for being on Growing Greater Philadelphia. We've been talking with Nick Baer, founder, president, and CEO of Saks Thanks for being with us. Thanks a lot, Matt. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by the commercial banking division of Citizens Bank. You know, the Citizens Bank team, they bring practical financial experience and deep industry expertise to each banking relationship. To learn how Citizens can help your company reach its full potential, visit CitizensBank.com backslash commercial. And be sure to check out all of our podcasts at Radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. to Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.